When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the College Basketball Conference Tournament Preview Part 2 of 10. And joining me for this episode, my fellow BBOC calls, Mike Calabrese and Greg Waddell. Today, we will cover the OBC, the A-Sun, and the Patriot League. Cannot wait to get into it. I do have to uh, congratulate both of you on your victories on Saturday. If you guys tuned in for the BBOC live show, I lost both shirt bets to you guys. Calvary's already sent me his address. So, Greg, I need after the show or tomorrow, send me your address so I can uh, send you your shirt. And I'll buy you a couple beers for the Illinois game. And congrats, Calvary, on your big, uh, or I should say, Greg, on your big hit on Saturday. Start with you. How are you feeling? So you must be feeling confident headed into the conference tournaments. It was a good weekend, boys. It was. Uh, <laughs> I, I, things are still a little blurry. We're recording this on a Sunday night, but you know it's March. That's what John Rothstein tells me. So I'm ready for this. I'm looking forward to my trip to Champaign this week. Stuck uh, and two and zero head to head in Big Ten territory. I am not ever going to agree to go head to head with you on anything outside of that conference. Yeah, uh, I will say, Calabrese, you South, South Florida just dominated. I will say in defense of my Wisconsin pick um, that, I mean, first of all, they had no chance with the way that, I mean, Illinois didn't. Uh, credit to uh, um, f- f- former Wisconsin resident, Damask, <laughs> who went off for 31. But, uh, I mean, Illinois shot 9 of, nine of 16 from 3. Who the guy who had the worst game possible, which is where I thought Wisconsin would have the biggest edge, was Stephen Crow, who mm-hmm. would come into the game and commit a dumb foul and then go to the bench, like the entire game. Um, one of the worst games we're seeing, and they were dumb fouls, like dumb reaches over the backs, and uh, it completely hurt their their big advantage in the post. Tyler Wall did all he could, but uh, ultimately it was a great call in Illinois, just shredded Wisconsin over and over again, but. Uh, we have more important things to get to it's the most beautiful time of the year, conference tournament time, wall-to-wall action, daytime tips. It's just a beautiful month. So let's start with, let's start with the OVC. Let's talk a little Ohio Valley and you guys weren't around for the first episode, but I'll always recap, you know, the format first and we'll talk who we think is going to win matchups potentially like, but sleepers maybe potential 
long shot throws. And I always comment on the format of these conference tournaments. I do not like a lot of the ones that don't reward the top seeds. And the OBC certainly does. So the way that this format works, all the games are played in Evansville, Indiana. Eight teams make it. Top four get a bye with the top two receiving a double bye. So we'll kick off on Tuesday and finish up on Monday, March. Uh, excuse me. This will start on Wednesday, the first round, and the championship will be played Saturday, March 9th. Uh, the first thing that jumps out to me is, well, I should I should mention Moorhead State kind of got jobbed. They finished with the three seed, even though they finished in a three-way tie for first place, but they lost the tiebreaker with Little Rock getting the one, UT Martin getting the two. And it really came down to a three-game losing streak that Moorhead had earlier this month. And, you know, they lost their only other games that they lost they had a brutal non-conference schedule. The only other games they lost after November 20th, before that three-game losing streak, by one at Indiana. And then at SIUE, when they shot three of 27 from three. But that three-game losing streak coincided with Jordan Lathan being out two of those games. And they still only lost by one at Little Rock. But because they got the three seed, they got to win an extra game. And they're going to have to win three in three days. They don't have a deep bench. I think they're 343rd in, in bench minutes per Kempom. But they do they slow the game down to a crawl, which UT Martin and Little Rock certainly do not. So I think that that helps them. I personally think Moorhead State, who is the favorite, you can find like plus 135 out there, is the best team by far in this league. I think they're going to win it. They have, when Lathan's in there, and you're going to talk about one of their other better players, Calabrese. They just have elite size across the board at the wing positions that are just matchup nightmares. And then they play uh, a deep drop on defense with Miles, a Xavier transfer, seven-footer who kind of anchors that defense. Uh, I really like this team. I know that they're the favorite, but I, I think they're cutting down the nets. They can slow down UT Martin in transition. Their one weakness is they turn the ball over. UT Martin does not turn you over. Little Rock, a little tougher of a matchup because they have good size on the perimeter, can score at the rim, turn you over a little more. But I think this is Moorhead's conference. And I will also throw out playing Evansville. Moorhead's had a ton of success. And they'll get a home home court bump here. There'll be a lot of Moorhead fans here, which certainly won't hurt. I'll throw it to you, Calabrese, first. You have some thoughts on Moorhead and uh what are you seeing in the OVC? I agree with you. It's going to be challenging to win, you know, that extra game, but I still love what they bring to the table. You hit on all the major points and you left me Riley Minix, who for those who are not in the know, NAIA, NABC, All-American at the lower level, playing down at Southeastern in Florida. He's 6'7", 230, averaging 20 and 10 per game, can knock down threes. He's nails from the line. He is a player that can put the whole team on his back, not just for this tournament, but also throw a, a scare into a high seed come March Madness if they go ahead and punch their ticket. They're 15-4 straight up since Christmas, and you talked about some of their head-to-heads. They split with UT Martin, losing by six at their place in a competitive game, and they lost and that by that was without one. Latham, too. Two of exactly, and they lost by one at Little Rock without Latham. So I view all of this from a personnel standpoint as them coming in with the best starting five. And then from a head coaching perspective, 
Preston Spradlin can just flat out coach. Four straight 20 plus win seasons, one NCAA tournament berth, one NIT appearance. And I, I'm sure that Suck is familiar with him. He came up under Coach Cal at Kentucky as a GA and then a director of operations. He's clearly learned how to evaluate talent, going and grabbing a guy from the NAIA ranks and turning him into an all-conference kind of player. So I really like Moorhead. I think they're the pick. I like the fact that we're getting plus money as well. Greg, I will throw it to you next. And yeah, I mean, Minix has been great. He's good defensively too. I mean, Miles is the, the star on that end. Uh, but this team just has such strong length and athleticism on the perimeter when they're fully healthy with Lathan in the lineup. Uh, are you seeing the same, Greg, or is there someone else uh, that you're targeting? UT Martin, they, they want to run. They can shoot threes. But that is a, a strength of Morad who would, they would play in the semis. They can still slow you down, can defend in transition, limit transition opportunities, and they're really good defending the perimeter. But uh, any anyone you're buying or a potential long shot here? Yeah, I'm going to buy a different team to win this tournament, actually. I think you guys nailed all the points. I think Moorhead is the best team here. I think they got jobbed with the tiebreaker. I don't think that's any small feat at all to be the three seed to have to play an extra game. But not just that. Like To me, no disrespect to Western Illinois, who if we're talking long shots later, I will throw them in the group based on price. But I think this is a three-team race for who's going to win this. I think it could be Moorhead. I think it could be Little Rock. I think it could be UT Martin. Only one of those teams is only going to have to play one game against that path, right? I think Little Rock has, I mean, they start in the semi, but they're going to win that game likely. And then you're in the championship against whoever wins between Moorhead and UT Martin. That's just a much easier path price-wise. I think the value is on Little Rock plus 225 compared to plus 115. And just some numbers on Little Rock. I think they've been really, really good, really, uh, since they got Mikel Mitchell back earlier this season. He was out until December 18th. They had the 339th ranked defense in the sport prior to Mitchell being available. Since then, it's jumped 166 spots. That's no small jump at all. Uh, this team has been really, really good late. They've won nine consecutive games. They're two and one against that group of, of Moorhead and UT Martin. Now, Lathan was out. That's a big swing. If it does get to that final game and it's Moorhead against Little Rock, at that point, I certainly would probably bet on Moorhead to win. But I just think this path is wide open for Little Rock. You got the one seed. You got the luck. Capitalize on it. I think that's the valuable play. Yeah, Mitchell's been uh, very important defensively. This is kind of transfer you, Little Rock. I mean, they have K.K. Robinson, who's at Arkansas, then A&M, then uh, now Little Rock. Mikel Mitchell, Maryland, Rhode Island, Arkansas, and now Little Rock. His fourth school. But, yeah, they've seen to, you know, all these transfers that they assembled uh, have seemed to – come together and you noted the importance of uh, of Mitchell on the defensive end and Chaplin another transfer he's been really good especially offensively the South Florida transfer looking at the bracket yeah it's hard for me to I don't I can't blame I can't argue your case with Little Rock having such an easy path at the championship whereas Moorhead will have to win one extra game to get there and I, I did note they don't have a deep bench is there anywhere anyone I can't personally out of the five through eight seeds that would have to win Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four games in four days. Is there anyone you can make a case for? You're shaking your head. No, Calabrese. Anyone you can make a case for, Greg? I, I, the only one I would even put a tiny asterisk next to is 
SIUE just because DeMarco Miner's awesome. Uh, but no, I, I think this is a three-horse race. Yeah, SIUE, they, let's see, they did beat Little Rock and Moorhead at home. So at least they have that going for them. Um, yeah, the Miner's a stud. Um, you know, Rayshon Taylor can get hot. So, yeah, possibly. I, I And then they would, they would face Western Illinois, which is like the ideal quarterfinal opponent. Um, so I don't hate that call. But I'm going to go I'm, – I'm saying Moorhead cuts down the nets. Calabrese, you're in the greens. Yes, I'm I'm on Moorhead. I played it. Um, it's only open at one book right now that I can find it. I'm hoping that more come live in the next 24 hours. Maybe we can get a slightly better number. Greg, are you are you who are you, who are you picking to cut down the nets? Morad, are you, are you rolling with Little Rock? I'm gonna take Little Rock, guys. I uh, I appreciate you trying your best to persuade me here, but um, let me throw one more number at you and see if I can get a hail mary here. Since February 1st, gentlemen, Little Rock 85th in all of college basketball per Bart Torvik, Morehead State 154th. Think the values on Little Rock. I'm gonna rock with them. Rocking with Little Rock. I will say though, since you know the month of February, you know they did. Cr- Crush UT Martin at home. They've had a lot of blowout wins, but they and they they you know beat Morehead by one without Latham. They played a lot of the dregs. Like they played EIU, they played you know Southern Indiana, SEMO, Lindenwood, Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech. So they've kind of padded their uh, efficiency numbers with some blowouts over bad teams, but that matters too. It's finally March, so you know what that means. It's time to say top of the morning to the most famous St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers, our new sponsor, Manscaped. Don't just chase rainbows this March. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below-the-kilt care. Clear your clover forest with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Head over to manscaped.com and use code BBOC for 20% off plus free shipping. The Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is your new lucky charm and it's fully waterproof. So go ahead, shave by the Misty Moors, shave under a waterfall, shave while betting a second half total. The world is yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with code BBOC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code BBOC. BBOC at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your hairy little leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms conditions apply, must be 21 or older gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER all right good stuff in the OVC let's now move on let's talk some I'll get Calabrese excited let's talk some Patriot League yeah let's do it (laughs) and I note this in every single uh, I should say I will note this in every single conference center preview and have in the past shop around do not leave free money on the table The, the example I used last was last episode was Radford but like, just don't leave potential free money on the table. Have multiple outs, shop around, get the best price. You should do that with every single bet, but especially when it comes to these conference tournament futures, there's going to be discrepancy among books. Don't bet a bad number. 
But uh, looking at the Patriot League tournament, it has been absolute shock in this tournament historically. This is the 34th Patriot League championship. The one or two seed has won it 30 of the 33 times. The only exceptions, 2022, number three seed Boston. Poor Boston. Couldn't go to the dance after they won it. 2016 was the wild year. Number nine seed Holy Cross won it. And then in 2015, number four seed Lafayette won it. That's it. Colgate, heavy, heavy favorite here. They are the top overall seed going for their fourth straight title. They're minus 250, minus 275, depending on the book. They'll play the winner of Army Holy Cross, who they should handle. They would get to the semis. Uh, I should note, 10 teams are in this field. Top six get a bye. So you have Army Holy Cross and Navy Loyola. Your Loyola, your alma mater, Calabrese Loyola, will play in just two horrendous first-round games. Um, Boston got the number two overall seed. Lafayette, Lehigh, pretty intriguing 3-6 matchup as is American Bucknell in the four or five. I have a long shot I'll make a case for, but I'll, Calvary's, I'll get your thoughts first. What are you seeing in the Patriot League? Well, first, I appreciate that history lesson because it has been all chalk, as you mentioned, and it's been all Colgate, you know, in recent years. They're 14 and one straight up in this tournament, dating back to 2018, 12 and three against the spread in that stretch. And when you look at where they've been in the last five years, you start to look at the consistency of their performance against the Ken Palm numbers. 115th last year, 117th, 89th, 118th, 126th. This year, though, they're 143rd coming in, but the huge differential, just you know, year over year. Last year, they were 43rd by season's end in Ken Palm. This year, offensively, 207th. So this is the very first time when you look at this Raider team that they have to get it done and grind games out there. 106th on the defensive end, according to Ken Palm. That's by far Langle's best in about 10 years. So it's really impressive to see them do that. But because they haven't been able to shoot at the same clip, usually it was them, you know, playing four out, banging down threes and really, you know, overwhelming teams with these waves of scoring. They weren't able to do anything in the non-conference, just a close loss to Syracuse. That was their high water mark. They got, you know, run off the floor against Yale, Cornell, Harvard out of the Ivy, hammered by Arizona, Illinois. So there's not as much fear factor. And then when you look at their actual personnel, their leading scorer is guard Braden Smith. But at just 12 points per game, when you look at his performance in Pat League play, he had six single-digit games in the past six weeks. So they don't necessarily have that killer on the perimeter. Keegan Reynolds is really their only reliable man. He's their man in the middle. He's big. He's 6'10", Rec 250 pounds. Keegan records. Yeah, Keegan records. Sorry, excuse me. Um, and in the last six games coming in the tournament, he's playing his best basketball. So 15 points per game, seven rebounds, two stocks. He's done some really nice work in their games against Lehigh. He averaged a double-double with two blocks. But if he doesn't play at that level, they're going to lose one or probably both of those meetings against the Mountain Hawks. They're both three-point decisions. So you you basically talked about their path, and it's as easy as it comes. They get to play on their home floor. They're getting the layup against the winner of Army Holy Cross in the quarters. But then it starts to get maybe a little bit interesting because Americans in that 4-5 game with Bucknell, the Eagles just upset them on their home floor a week ago, 66-64. They slowed the pace of that game against Colgate way down. Matt Rogers, their power forward, had his best game of the year, arguably with 23 points and seven boards. So I think right away it starts to get interesting for them. 
but it's still a conversation of sleeper and deep sleeper, not necessarily somebody who would advocate is really going to win this tournament because at minus 200, minus 250, Colgate, I think, is properly priced. But I don't want to steal your thunder. I'll kick it to you first, Stuck. Who do you like to win this thing? Yeah, you mentioned it. Colgate's defense is better, but their offense, you mentioned it. I mean, offensive efficiency, 43rd last year. They're 207th right now. They miss Tucker Richardson and Oliver Lynch Daniels on the perimeter. You know, Smith's a great facilitator. They also have a really good backup center in Jeff Woodward. So their centers are really good with records in Woodward. And then you have Moffitt, who's a stretch four, shoots like close to 40% from three. But instead of Richardson and Lynch Daniels, you now have Cummins and Jalen Cox. They're very raw and they're just not as uh they're just not as good right now offensively, which leaves them vulnerable. They had two losses in league play, both came at home to American and Lafayette. They actually swept the road. But I, I like Lehigh. Shop around. You can find a 12 to 1 out there. There's a bunch of 8 to 1s. Don't bet that. You can find a 12 to 1. I like Lehigh. I, I have empowered as the second best team in the league. They lost to Colgate twice, both by three points. And one of those games, they didn't have Keith Higgins, who's arguably their best player. He comes off the bench now. Yeah, well, what do you make of that stuck, by the way? Because the way he was playing, I figured they were getting, you know, his sea legs back and they were going to reinsert him. But now it seems like, you know, they just have a preference to bring him off the bench. And that way the the scoring load isn't totally falling on Tyler Whitney Sidney because he still played very, very well. But I think, I mean, if I'm reading it correctly, I think Dr. Reed is just interested in getting something out of his second line and letting Higgins lead the scoring there. Yeah. I would agree with that. But I also think that like you mentioned, like his sea legs and coming back from injury, they might've just been a little bit more cautious with him. And then you might get, you know, more minutes here. I mean, he played 23 and 20, but this is a guy who played the past two games. He would play like 35, 30, right, yeah. 30 minutes a game. So I think that you'll get closer to a full workload here and he's by far their most efficient player. Um, and if you look, like Lehigh's the, the number six seed, but I have him power rated number two. He missed nine games. And if you look at their efficiency margin in those nine games, 320 per Torvik. This is a team that was outside the top. Since he came back, five and two, they're about 185th in the country in overall efficiency. In comparison, you know, Colgate's around like 145th. So they're not too far off. They went five and two since he came back. They lost to Colgate by three, and they lost to Boston in overtime by two. So, yeah, I think this is the second-best team, and I think that there's a little bit of value in Lehigh. Uh, they're they're not going to stop uh, Colgate inside with their interior, but if they could just make some threes, they, they only shot, they went four of 20 at home on Saturday and still had a chance to win that game. They just couldn't hit an outside shot. But I, I think Colgate's a little vulnerable. I don't see any value in minus 220 in Lehigh at 12 to one uh, would be my pick to cut down the nets as a rare non top two seed. Greg, what are you saying in the Patriot league? You nailed my sleeper. It's Lehigh. And I had it at 12 to one as well. Um, look, they're going to have to win the first game. Obviously you don't win a championship without winning the first game, but as far as draw goes, I think it's a great draw for them, right? They swept Lafayette during the season. Um, yeah, Lafayette's lost six of seven, including two to, Lehigh so they kind of faded down the stretch right they're faltering and uh, if you just assume that they can hold serve there 
then they're right where they want to be, right? Because you don't see either of, in my opinion, the two best players in this conference and Matt Rogers and Braden Smith, who are on the other side of the bracket. So, I, look, this team has won three straightaway games, too, coming into this. Um, so to to kind of be that road dog mentality in the quarterfinal, I think that works. Um, I, I think the value is definitely there. You mentioned the Higgins numbers, just to reiterate. Lost six of nine without him, got him back, won five straight games the moment he was active again. And then their two most recent losses to end the year came by a combined five points. Like that screams team that is undervalued here to me. Uh, so I'm with you. I really like Lehigh. The only other sleeper I would throw out, and this just comes down to do you do you believe in Colgate or do you not? Uh, I think you guys laid out nicely. Like they're clearly the best team here, but this isn't the traditional Colgate offense that we're used to. That means there's value. And how about a team that just beat them 10 days ago, right? American plus 750. I, look, it's it, it really is just three-point variance with that team. They shoot the 31st most three-point attempts per game in the country. They're 324th at preventing three-point attempts. But if you're trying to take a shot on an underdog to actually take down the best team in this league, one that has every single game rely on three-point variance, I think it is a decent risk to take. So uh, to me, I feel like there's value on either of those two teams, depending on what you think of Colgate. I would sprinkle both and hopefully, you know, one of them finds their way to the championship. Maybe both find their way to the championship and you're in a really good spot. Yeah. I think this is one of the years where, you know, you have Bucknell who dominated this. They were clearly the best team, right? Like so much better than everybody. And then lately Colgate has been so much better than everybody. They're still the best team, but they're not, the gap isn't as wide as it's been because their offense isn't as electric. So, yeah, I don't hate American. American fits the profile because, as you said, three-point variance. They also they also give up a ton of threes. So, like, there's just three-point variance on both sides. And then they they just grind the game down to a halt. They play so slow, fewer possessions, higher variance. So you got, you know, limited possession game with a ton of three-pointers. And, and I also should mention, Patriot League, you have the higher seed hosts all the games. And it's not like, look, if Colgate, whoever hosts the – the title will get a good home crowd. No disrespect, Calvary's to your Greyhounds, but we're not talking about these the best home court advantages like Lafayette's home court advantage uh, against Lehigh. I mean, these are uh, what, what's the the vibe going to be there? Um, so, yeah, there's not like the best uh, home court advantage in Easton, Pennsylvania. I'll tell you that. Um, and I also will say, or do you have any comment on the home court advantage? Calibres. I do. I also, well, I have a couple things to bring up first though, is for these teams that need to be the road warriors. Yes. You got to play on the campus sites as we pointed out, but it's spread out for a team like Lehigh. It's March 7th, March 10th, March 13th. So it's not like you need to win three days in or three games in three days, which some of these leagues do put you behind the eight ball. So in terms of travel for a team that I'm going to mention, it, it's very reasonable, but let me back up for a second. Cause I agree with you guys in Lehigh at 12 to one. I think it's a must play number. And I brought up Dr. Reed before. He's been in this league for a long time. I think he understands how he has to win in this spot. A lot of people remember him from that upset of Duke in 2012. He knows in this spot, Lehigh is the fastest tempo team in the league, 54th nationally. And they have a disruptive defense. That's their only thing that they do well on the defensive yeah, end. They, yeah. they turn teams over 16% of their possessions, which is top 100. And the stat that I love is Evan Maya's opponent adjust metric, which indicates do they play better against better teams 
The number one team in the Patriot League in that regard is Lehigh. Also worth noting, which team plays down to their competition the most often? Colgate. So I think this is kind of lining up if Lehigh can put this together. I'll throw one more team out here. If you can get them 30 to 1 or longer, I think Bucknell's an interesting team coming out of the 4-5 game. And the reasons are pretty simple. They're the second tallest team in the Patriot League behind Colgate. So they have the size, Noah Williamson in particular, legit seven-footer out of Latvia. He's improved leaps and bounds from his freshman year to his sophomore year. And since January 20th, he's had five games with three or more stocks. So he's been a real difference maker on the defensive end. Jack Forrest, if he gets hot from three-point range, he shoots almost 38% from, from there. And Bucknell plays incredibly slow. You mentioned American. Bucknell's 321st in tempo. So either want a team that's going to speed it up to take someone out of their comfort zone or really slow it down. And I think both of those teams, if you can get the best numbers in the market, are worth it. Yeah. Uh, Bucknell, profits can be ugly at times, but I I, I like their defense. They went 0-3 in league overtime games. So a bit unlucky that they lost to American, Lehigh, and Lafayette in overtime. I also will say, if Colgate – Colgate's one of those teams where if they get out, like if this is just perennially with the – for whatever reason, with the Patriot League winner – People will say like, "This is a sleeper." Like the, they're gonna, they're a 15 seed is gonna be scary. Sometimes that's true. This Colgate not, team, not this time, no chance. If this Colgate team has zero chance against any high major that they get matched up, I'll be looking to fade them. They are so reliant on uh, records and Woodward, but like they're taking advantage of all of these like Patriot League front posts. So they go up, they they go up against anyone with size. They're done. They're gonna get. They're gonna get cooked. Um, by the way, what I don't know if anyone saw this. I just happened to put this game on. I when I'm sitting around sweating games and monitoring the scoreboard, I will put on any game in college basketball that's you know close with the final thirty seconds. I put on Loyola Maryland Army, which literally meant nothing for either team. They were already locked into seeds, and Army had the biggest meltdown I've ever seen. Like they they were up six with I think. 28 seconds to go. Uh, they fouled up three. They missed free throws. They, then they fouled up three. Um, Loyola made them both. And then stole the inbounds and dunked it. Golden DK dunked it at the bell. You got a foul in there. You can't let him dunk it. He's like a 20% free throw shooter. Um, that's the that's the end of our one shining moment for Loyola Greyhound basketball this year. So, so my I'm question is... that we got it right under the, the wire. Uh, what a March moment for... Loyola. Speaking of horrendous, I mean, Loyola's home court advantage. Let's not get into Reed's Arena right now. Listen, you just said something <laughs> nice. I'll finish it off with, if we're talking Greyhounds from here on out, it's got to be white grapefruit juice, a little Tito's vodka on the rocks with a, a lime twist. That's the way to get the Greyhounds involved in your March Madness. I will say, Loyola is one of, we'll call it 180 teams that's undefeated in March so far. Uh, Loyola has not lost in March. But, but I want to ask you this before we move on. What has happened to Loyola? Loyola was a respectable program under Patsos, right? When they were in mm-hmm. the MAC. In the um, MAC, yep. And like th- they would, this was like a top 200 team most years. And now they are, and they had the Aldama flash, but now they are bottom i mean if you're trying to what's happened what's happened to the rant out of me i got one remember this is a safe space you know what pisses me off most of all okay you're ranting now baby yeah i'm ranting why not you gotta let it out somehow 
the fact that we were living in an era where they they played so poorly and they recruited so poor, poorly at the guard position makes me so mad because they did have these Spanish imports come in, Aldama being the unicorn. But you know they had other size come in that was serviceable in this conference. And your your campus is in Baltimore. Baltimore is a great high school basketball scene. Like even getting the third tier guards from some of those programs would be enough or getting hitting it once in the transfer portal and getting a high volume, you know, combo guard to just put the offense on his back. I agree. It's insane. It's so frustrating to me that we're not playing a different brand of basketball. The last time that we went to March Madness, you know, over a decade ago, it was because we were all in the full court press. We were playing that annoying defense that we were going to exhaust your guys. We were going to, you know, basically have a five, six man rotation of guard, wear our own players out, but we were just a nuisance to play. I was there up in Springfield, Massachusetts. They called it Massachusetts. Great branding there from that, you know, that, that league. Um, but we won against, I think, Fairfield, like 49, 45, because we were willing to play a different brand of basketball. When you are consistently in the bottom 30 of Ken Palm, or you don't even need advanced stats, just look at your goddamn record, you suck. You got to play a different brand of basketball. You got to do something defensively. You got to do something in recruiting. So it's so frustrating to me because for a school that is nationally known for lacrosse, where to be a good lacrosse program, you need to get 30 good guys into your program. To be good at in basketball in the Patriot League, you need two guys. You need two guys. Let's get an NIL collective together. Let's throw some money around. Let's do something because it shouldn't be this hard given the fact that we have some parts that are actually pretty comparable to our Patriot League you know, contemporaries. So that's it for the Loyola basketball rant. All right. That's as much Loyola Maryland basketball talk as you will hear. I can guarantee you this. If, one, if I can guarantee you one thing. You will not hear more Loyola Maryland basketball talk on any podcast this March. Well, one more. Are you going to Loyola Maryland first round game? Any thoughts? No, no, I pass. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not doing it to Matt, myself. Maybe talk about I, a, I, a team you with know, no home talking, court advantage. Here's the thing, Suck. I like this league and I'm not going to subject myself to betting or watching Loyola basketball. I wrote them off early in the year. I'm glad I did. I faded them a couple times successfully. It's time to put them in a box until next year. Maybe I'll get excited. Maybe I'll get a new head coach. Um, but no, it's just going to be my main play on Lehigh at 12 to one and a little sprinkle on Bucknell. Yeah. You want to talk about no home court advantage? I have Navy dead last in the country. One point. It's all their home court advantage is worth to me. One point, one measly point. They're projected to win. I don't know. Probably be like seven. God, God. it was so bad. Seven point underdog against Navy. <laughs> if you like bad offense, watch uh, Navy the Little Maryland. And if you like bad defense too, you get two for one. Hey guys, Stucky here. You ever wanted to try the best version of the Action Network app? Well, now is the perfect opportunity to do so because we have a special offer to celebrate the month of March and the NCAA tournament. You can get pro access for just $9.99 for the first month. We'll give you access to things like Sean Kerner's player prop projections, which are invaluable, real-time money percentages, and our model's biggest edges, and much more. All you have to do is head over to actionnetwork.com slash madness. That's actionnetwork.com slash madness. Make sure you get there before the deal expires. Cheers. Let's move on to the A-Sun, the last league that we will cover on part two of 10. The next eight episodes will come out over the course of the next week with us, Mike Randall, the guys from the three-man weave. We will have a factory uh, churning these out on Sunday when for all of the big boys and the rest 
of the other conferences. I think I'm recording like five episodes back to back to back to back to back on Sunday. Um, always a crazy day, but labor of love. Let's talk a little a sun 10 team tourney uh, top six seeds receive a bye. They do reseed after each round. Important to note. So you could be looking at the bracket and in the semis, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll play each other because matchups matter this time of the year. Uh, campus sites for the higher seed throughout, but ESPN has this wrong, and I see a lot of other sites have this wrong. The first round games, which are today, Kennesaw, Jacksonville, and Florida Gulf Coast, Queens, those are not played on new, on uh, each other, the higher seed. Kennesaw, Jacksonville play at Eastern Kentucky because the nine plays the 10 in this format. And then they'll play at Eastern Kentucky the next day. Same goes for Florida Gulf Coast, Queens. They play in DeLand, Florida. DeLand, Florida. You're talking about a place where nothing with nothing is DeLand, Florida. They'll play in DeLand because they're going to play Stetson on Tuesday. The favorite is Eastern Kentucky. They are, you can find them around plus 150. Lipscomb, three to one, is the three seed. The two seed Stetson, plus 350. Four seed Austin P, around nine to one. I the team that I want wanted the bet was Stetson at plus 350. The primary reason is they match up really well with Eastern Kentucky. They have experienced guards, they can handle the press, and they can throw out a myriad of zone looks. Connie Jones does a great job. They switch up their defense a lot. Eastern Kentucky really struggles against zone defenses. The problem is they lost Josh Smith to a season-ending injury. And he like he was he missed the first 14 games. He came back. They're playing their best basketball. He had a huge game against Eastern Kentucky when they won at home. And then they lost him again for the year. He brings just like physicality, rebounding prowess, and I think they miss him. Um, so that gives me a little bit of pause, but I'll throw it first to Greg. What are you seeing in the A-Sun? So this is uh, just pure chaos. That, that's my prediction of the A-Sun tournament. There's nine teams from one through nine that are within 100 spots of each other on Ken Palm. That's pretty rare at this point. Normally, there's somebody that has emerged and is significantly ahead of the pack, like in the last couple that we just talked about. I don't think that's the case here. I think we could see uh, somebody very random win this tournament and then end up on the 16 line, which makes it fun to bet, right? Which makes it fun to look for some long shots. Uh, I, I think the team that I like to win is actually Austin P, who I've been very impressed with. The big thing for them, DeMarcus Sharp was out. He missed six games at the start of February. They went 5-1 and one in that span. They got him back, and then they won the last two games of the season where they're trying to work him back in quietly. Uh, he, he's not back in full-blown 40 minutes a game, take every shot mode yet, but I like this team a lot, and I thought they looked pretty good without him. Corey Gibson's done a great job turning this team right around. I got to interview him in the summer uh, for, like, we were doing a series of new coach interviews, and he just really impressed me with the way he was going to attack the portal. He backed up everything he told me. Um, th this first-round matchup for them, by the way, North Florida, they won a double overtime game without Sharp against North Florida. So I like them to win that first round matchup. Uh, another one where they get to game plan ahead. They're not worried about what team has to win to get there. So if you pencil them into the semis, I think there's pretty good value on Austin P. 
Uh, and then I have a couple more long shots, but I want to save those until I hear your guys' favorite here because this really is a chaotic league to me. Yeah, I, I will say I, I'm a bit worried about Austin Pease. You mentioned Sharp, and yeah, that's super important. He's came back for the past two games. They got, they went 7-1 in February. What scares me, they, they play no defense. They went 7-1 in February. Their adjusted defensive efficiency in the month of February in those eight games, 359 in the country. How do they go seven and one? They shot 45% from three. So I'm a bit worried about just the shooting regression bug hitting them. Like that is completely unsustainable for a team that on the season is shooting, you know, they're a good shooting team. They're shooting 36%, but they were at about 35 before this stretch. So I'm a bit worried there. One of the more in intriguing teams is Lipscomb. They have just a beautifully run offense. You know, 11th in effective field goal percentage. They don't turn it over. Great ball movement, great motion. They're top 20 in three-point and two-point percentage. They've won, what, seven of eight to close out the year? I I don't understand. Like, are they better without Darren Boyd? I, I don't I don't know. Like, some of their numbers say they are, but I, I can't imagine that being the case uh, with what Boyd could do. Uh, this is a guy who could go for 30 or 40 on any given night. So I have to imagine that loss does matter. I mean, maybe their offense is just so well-schemed that it doesn't matter. The problem with me for Lipscomb is they play uh, the opposite. I mean, they they can't stop a nosebleed. They play no D. I don't, do not trust their defense whatsoever. So while their offense seems to just – I mean, they're shooting 42% from three in league play. So while their offense is so good, I guess, boy, doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't trust their defense enough at three to one. I think this is probably Eastern Kentucky's tourney to lose, but yeah, you're right. The separation from the top to the bottom is not that wide. So it's definitely a league where I wouldn't fault anyone for taking a shot. Calabrese, what are you seeing here? Yeah, let's take a shot. I think you guys laid it out that there's just not that much separating. And there's a lot of teams that it's like a high wire act the way that they're playing and they haven't come crashing down yet. But I'll take a team that at least I know is going to fire up a ton of threes, and that's North Florida at 18 to 1. I mean, talk about high variance. They take over 32 threes per game and make 11 and a half of them per game. That's top two nationally in both categories. And then when you 50, see how the 56% of their uh, field goal attempts are threes. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I had to double check the stats. I was like, this can't be right that they're firing up this many. But the Ospreys in general have played very well against the top teams. You mentioned they took Austin P to double OT at their place. They beat Lipscomb. They beat Stetson. So I think this price is, is ripe to move. I'm going to go ahead and take it. I, I do think Stetson's going to end up winning this one. I love Jalen Blackman. I think he's got March Hero written all over him. He led the conference in points per game with 21. He dropped 27 on Eastern Kentucky in an eight-point win that Stuck had mentioned. So Stetson's my play, but I want to have one long shot in this tournament because I do feel like it's wide open. So I'm going to shop around. Maybe I can get North Florida 20 to 1. Yeah, little funky zone. But they, I mean, their transition day is – North Florida's defense is, is horrendous. Greg, you hinted at a long shot here. Yeah. I'm going to go even longer, boys. Neither of you guys mentioned him yet. Uh, can we get a Dunk City remix? Can we get that? <laughs> Florida Gulf Coast, baby. Okay, they're 25 to 1. That's what I'm seeing. Some numbers on this team right now, because, uh, again, I'm not a huge believer in this team on paper in general. I just think this league is wide open. 
And I think this team has an argument that they're playing better than anybody else in the conference over the last month. In fact, per Bartorvik, they are. They are the number one ranked team in this league since February 1st. They've covered 12 of their last 15 games. This team's old as shit. Their top six scorers are all in their fourth year of college basketball or older. Keyshawn Kelman's been awesome. 17 yeah, or more points in five of his last six. I don't know. Again, this is not me trying to sell you that any of these teams are going to win an NCAA tournament game. This is me trying to sell you that they can win three in this tournament. And I think at 25 to one, that's a crazy misprice for the team that metrically has been the best team in this league for the last month. Yeah. They had injuries early on in the year too. Um, you know, they lost Andre Weir and they kind of were in, I mean, they were bad early in the year. They, Let's see. They started out. I wonder what their peak. Yeah, they start out 146th on Ken Palm, and they got all the way down to 274. Um, and yeah, they're playing their best basketball of the season. Curious what they are on Haslam metrics. They're top 75 in momentum. Their consistency, they're 355, which is what you like. With a, a longer shot, they they're very erratic. They also slow the game down to a crawl. Um, they do not play fast, which you want. Want limited possessions, uglier game. And we mentioned Stetson, just not the same team with out Josh Smith. They beat Stetson by twenty four at home. This who they would play if they beat Queens. And on the road, mid, mid February, they lost by one at Stetson. So they can certainly win that game. And then you get the Lipscomb. I think Lipscomb crushed them. Yeah, Lipscomb ooh, beat them by 30. But Lipscomb doesn't play any defense. Like, I don't, anyone can beat Lipscomb 90 to 87. So, I, yeah, I don't hate Florida Gulf Coast, which really bottomed out earlier in the year and is playing its best ball. As you mentioned, Kelman's been a monster. Um, and they've, uh, they've definitely started to figure things out here under Pat Chambers. Calvary's any thoughts there or any long shot that you want to mention? Now just North Florida for me, just because of the, I think it's funny. Like when you're going through so many of these teams can't get a stop, can't get a stop, can't get a stop. <laughs> Eventually, if you put them all in the, in the gym for this tournament, you figure somebody's going to get some stops in crunch time or maybe not. Maybe just everyone will outscore the, their opponent. Um, yeah. I, I could be talked into Florida Gulf coast, particularly at that number. Maybe this is one of those tournaments just to, turn down the top two seeds and just, you know, sprinkle spread out, you know, three or four bets over those four teams in those middle rounds or the middle rankings coming in and just seeing where the chips fall. Cause I agree. I think, I mean, Eastern Kentucky in particular, if you can get Cozart in foul trouble, like they could lose to anybody in this conference. So I, I think that they're that singularly dependent on a superstar. So um, yeah, I like it. Greg, do you have any thoughts on Lipscomb? Are they, I got, does Boyd not matter? They confuse me. I really don't, to be honest with you. Um, look, I, I think their offense in general is the best in this league without question. Um, but like I said, I, I really don't feel strongly about anyone. I don't want to talk myself into anyone. I want to talk myself into the highest numbers here, and that's what I did my best to do, which is not Lipscomb. Yeah, you mentioned there. I mean, there's so many bad defenses in this league. Jacksonville has a decent defense, but their offense is so bad. Uh, and with the way Florida Gulf Coast is playing, you could argue they have the best D in the league right now. 
Um, and that's something that they can, you know, grind the games down, rely on Kelman, that defense. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't hate the Florida Gulf Coast uh, call as a super long shot. All right, that'll do it for us. OVC, A Sun, and Patriot League all covered. We'll be back Thursday with two more episodes covering, I think, six more leagues. Tanner McGrath will make his uh, appearance for his beloved America East. And we'll I have some back. Tanner McGrath breaking news. He was just texting me that he has got himself a media pass to the America East tournament. So he will be our, our man on the grounds there. So all the Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire action that you can handle. I may tell. Wow. Some, I don't tell anyone's bets ever. I may tell some of his America East bets. And because uh, if they win, I'll win money. And he's usually pretty good. But they lose, I can just blame him and uh, call him names. So win-win. But that'll do it for us. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope it helped prep you for your bets, your futures, to just enjoy games from a fan perspective and or pools. Thank you to Mike and Greg for joining me. Thanks to our producer, David Payne, on the back end. Most importantly, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Leave you a review, five-star review. One of these 10-part episodes, I'll do a bunch of giveaways. So just leave a five-star review, say whatever. They really help us out. Thanks again for tuning in. Good luck on all of your wagers throughout the month of March. And we will see you on Thursday. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.